for that time of worship and reflection on our Savior. Um, Today will be the second message in our Advent series centered around faith and centered around the announcement of the angel Gabriel uh, and the description of the coming Messiah. So you can, we're going to be looking at Luke 1, verses 26 through 45. Uh, as you're turning there, this, week, this past week, and the Sunday school lesson that we had amazingly went perfect with it. I was reflecting on the Christmas season and how when you tear apart all the, the things that go around Christmas, from all the work banquets to all the gifts to family, you take all of, you break it all down, and there's something about the Christmas season that is really unique. It creates a space where I think all of humanity it really senses a deeper longing, a deeper purpose of why we exist. Um, and I really liked our Sunday school lesson of when David shared that imprinted on the heart of every human being is the desire to worship our God. And even, even in our brokenness, lostness, there's this, there's this longing. And the Christmas season really can bring that out when, when we break it all down And as we look today at faith, as we look at the announcement of the angel Gabriel, my goal, my prayer has been that we can reflect and look at how we as believers can create a message uh, that is winsome to a world that doesn't believe, where we can show hope, where we can show something that the world will see that that's what they're longing for and that, it, that we step away from this us versus them mentality and we step into something much bigger, something much deeper. And so that's, that's my prayer. That's what my prayer has been is that as we f- reflect on uh, verses 26 through 45 that we can, we can use faith, that we can use who our Savior is as creating a message that is winsome, that the world wants to grab a hold of, and that it's not, that's for them. We're on the in, on the out. So that's, that's my prayer. So let's take the time to, uh, I'm just going to read through all the uh, verses. I'm reading out of the ESV. I'm going to read, starting at verse 26. Again, that's Luke 1, 26 through 45. And then just spend a little bit of time looking at uh, the announcement of who our Savior is and the faith in the story here. Uh, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will, be, will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment that was spoken to her from the Lord. And I think... A danger for us is to think we've read this story a thousand times that we understand it. And I actually hesitated to read all of it because I was like, well, they're really not going to be paying attention because they've heard it so often. So hopefully as we look into it, we can step back and realize that even though we've grown up with this Christmas story, God wants to give us something new today. Um, C.S. Lewis has a uh, quote. Uh, he says, The birth of Christ is the central event in the history of the earth, the very thing the whole story has been about. The birth of Christ is the central event in the history of the earth, the very thing that all of history has been, the whole story is about. And the angel Gabriel, when she came to Mary to tell her, that she would be the mother of Jesus, gave a description that I just wanted to... He gave seven, at least from what I found, seven things that he described who the coming Messiah would be uh, that really help us to see what we have in Christ. Um, The first thing that he says is that he will be born of a virgin. Um, God is saying... I'm going to send my son, I'm going to send the Savior into the world, not just come flying in from the sky, rescuing humanity, and being its Savior in that manner. But no, he's saying, like, I'm going to bring the Son of God into the world as a human, as a baby, and the Savior of the world will be as human as anyone can, as human as can be, there will be none more human. Uh, so he will experience everything. He will experience what it feels like to not have power. He'll know, experience what it feels like to be on the run as a refugee. He'll experience every aspect of, of humanity, of hurt, of hope, of love, um, instead of just swooping in and rescuing us. Uh, verse 35, he says he'll be the son of God. So as while there's none has more human, there'll also be none more divine. Uh, he'll be fully God. Verse 32 says that he'll be a king. Um, he'll have the strength, the power of a king. There'll be none stronger uh, than, our, than Jesus. 
than the coming Messiah. His reign, uh, verse 33 says, his reign will be forever. Uh, Every kingdom has, throughout history, has up and then disappeared. Come to power, disappeared. But he's saying the coming Messiah's reign will be forever. Verse 35 says he'll be holy. He'll be pure. He'll be righteous. Verse 31 says that his name will be Jesus, which means to save, to be a savior. And there's no greater need in this world than a savior uh, to redeem us from Christ, not from Christ, from sin, uh, from being apart from God. And the last one in verse 32 that I found, uh, he says he'll be great. There'll be none more worthy of our admiration. And if you put all of this together, this is, the, this is what Christmas is about. Christmas is the arrival of all of this, of what the, of what the angel Gabriel is telling Mary. That he's going to be the, the son of God. He's going to be divine. He's going to be human. He's going to be a king. He's going to be, his reign will be forever. All these things, he's saying, this is, this is what the Christmas story is all about, the arrival of all this. This is what we, and this is what we worship. This is what we are called to be pulled into and to worship. And I think when we learn to start to grasp this, there's a sense of of wonder, of awe that comes upon that has to come upon us. And when we worship out of that, when we worship out of our God, uh, our, recognizing that our God was willing not to come swooping in and not experience what it means to be a human, but to fully embrace that um, and at the same time be divine and at the same time be king. Like, it calls us to worship. And that's what's imprinted on each one of our hearts is that call to worship our Savior uh, and who he is. But intertwined in this whole story is the response of, of Mary. Woven into this prophecy or uh, foretelling of who's coming is a young Jewish girl that holds no title, holds no position, holds nothing that should give her... Like, in fact, what she's being called into is going to bring a lot of heart, heartache. It's going to bring a lot of suffering. It's going to bring a... Dis- like she'll be seen as a disgrace in her community. Joseph, she doesn't know at this point how Joseph is going to respond. And so woven into this story of the coming Messiah is a young Jewish girl and her response in faith uh, is, is what we want to spend some time today looking at. Uh, but before, before we look at Mary's story, I want to step back. And if you look back in verse 18, uh, same chapter, uh, we see the uh, story of Zechariah, and uh, we see his response. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Zechariah was a priest. He was righteous. The verses before that, he says he was, uh, he was righteous before God, blameless in all his statues, uh, and chosen by lot to enter the temple to burn incense. So, and, and, and I'm going to be hard on Zechariah here, even though in like the next chapter he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he's, 
he's on fire and he's doing everything right. But his response here, and we obviously know what happens, is he gets smitten, smite. Uh, anyway, uh, and he can't talk for six months. Uh, but anyway, his response is, like, how can this be? And in uh, verse 34, Mary says, how will this be? So, there is, like, if you look at the phrasing of their first response, it's really not that difficult. Uh, not di- different, but it's completely different. And his, Zachariah's first response here is, I think, how we respond almost every time when when God asks us to step out in a moment of faith. And maybe I should step down here. Faith is simply to believe, simply to trust. Uh, I believe the Bible dictionary that I looked at, it said, it is the trustful human response to a self-revelation from God by his word or his actions. So to have faith is simply when God reveals something to us by scripture or by a person or by something that we know we're supposed to step into that and and do that uh that trustful human response that we have knowing god is in control that he's going to provide he's going to make provision for us um even if we're not we don't feel qualified that's what faith is that trustful human response to god and zachariah we see here did exactly i think what we do uh he said uh uh, no, no, how can this be? It's not going to happen. We're, we're old. Um, and what he did here was he simply found an excuse. And maybe actually, let me back, he didn't find an excuse. Actually, he found a reason. Like, it, he didn't just make up an excuse. He actually found a reason. I mean, like, you know, science does, you know, they're old. Um, and, uh, and, and I think we can, often, we can often fall to, we actually make excuses, but a lot of times we have good reasons why, when we feel God wants us to move into something, why we don't, uh, and we, we use those. And that's exactly what God is uh, muting, uh, Zachari- punishing Zachariah for here. Uh, and this morning, as I was reflecting over that this past week, over my life, our church, and each person here, you know, like, Zachariah was being called to step into us a position here of John, of having John uh, Elizabeth having John the Baptist, the prophet foretelling the coming Messiah, uh, and in many ways, like uh, God in each one of our lives is calling us into something. Uh, he's calling us into something that's bigger than us. He's calling us into something that will be difficult, that we won't be qualified for, that we won't have the skill set for, the finances for, uh, and it. In that moment, when we know through his word, through someone, when we feel we, like God has called us to something and we make excuses or reasons, we're doing the opposite of faith. And I think this morning, there, there are people in this church that are being called to so many different things. There are people being called into that, missions. God is calling someone here possibly to go on the mission field, but you're wrestling with it because there's some, you know what? There's someone that's actually better than you for that position. I can guarantee that. And, and that's what you're using. You're saying, like, I don't have the skill set. There's someone here that God has started to work on their heart for adoption, and you're saying, 
well, I'm already a bad parent, or I probably wouldn't be a good parent, or you're saying it's $40,000, and I don't have $40,000, and I don't want to take it out of my retirement fund. But God is saying, step into that. You know, God is asking someone here to step into a position of uh, mentoring. And if I think of me mentoring someone, all I, all I can see is all my failures, and like, why would that person want to lear- try to learn anything from me? You know, and we just, we just wrestle with all these excuses that there's, you know, there's someone better to mentor that at-risk child or that person in church. Um, but there's also even, uh, there's, there's ministry, whether that's at a church or whether that's prison ministry, whether that's so many different ways. And you're wrestling with all the things of why you shouldn't. Um, but there's also business. Uh, are you willing to, if you feel called to business, are you willing to, to think of what it means to run a business differently? That really shows Christ. It might look funny to the community. It might cost you a lot of money, but it might advance the kingdom like none other and what God is asking you to do. And there's also uh, one other thing that I've written down. God might be calling you to a new profession, a new job. doesn't seem extra holy. But it is. You know, I was listening to a podcast, and this was not a Christian podcast. This has nothing to do with Christianity. In fact, I can't say what podcast it was because then you would kick me off of this pulpit, which actually would sort of be a good thing. But anyway, he was saying that if you're doing anything... So this part was actually very spiritual, but the rest wasn't. Uh, but if you're doing anything, for your first reason being for money, uh, you're not where you should be. And so to Christianize it, if you're, if you're at your job, your business, if you've turned your hobby or your passion into the first, the main reason you're doing it is for the money, you're not where God wants you to be. Uh, it's not about, I'm not against, I'm not preaching against wealth here. I'm just saying our first priority can't be like the money. It's, it's much bigger than that. So anyway, maybe if, Maybe God is calling you to a new job because in that job, if you're excited about what you're doing, even though it's hard work, uh, and you, but you're doing it because you love doing it, that shows a gospel. That shows, uh, that shows uh, a savior. So anyway, like, I don't know where, and that can be taken to our church as well. Like, our church is, can be called to, to do something big, something difficult, and we're going to make excuses. We're going to find reasons why a bigger church or a church with more resources could do it so much better but if God is calling us to something we have to step into that and that's where Mary stepped in and I had used her before with with looking at a young Jewish girl and what it would cost her uh, not being married yet obviously becoming pregnant and she stepped in and her response was how will this be but if we look at verse 34 then she says, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And then actually in the last verse at 45, Elizabeth uh, says that Mary believed. So Mary, she, it's all like she didn't count the cost. She, she didn't say, like, am I qualified? Am I, you know, God has said, he, the angel has come, has given me like what I'm supposed to do. I step into that. And I think what's amazing about that is we can get caught up, and I had referenced this a little earlier, but we can get so caught up in titles 
we can get so caught up in our stature in a community, our position, and use that as a, a sort of a barometer of where we're at or where we want to get to or sort of like, are we important in society or not? And that means, God is saying here, that means nothing to me. In fact, he's saying that probably the person with the greatest impact, the person with the greatest amount of influence in the kingdom, I'll just use our church here, is not the lead pastor, sorry, uh, is not the leadership team, is not anyone with a position of influence, but it's, rather, it's the person with the most faith. It's the person that when God calls them to something, they step into that, whether they feel qualified, whether they feel like maybe there's someone else that would be better, they step into that. And God is saying, that person in my kingdom has the most, will leave the greatest impact. And that, yeah, and that, that, and that ultimately is the story of Mary here. And I think, as we were referencing earlier through all the ministry adoptions, all of that, uh, there's no question that if you are a follower of Christ, God has placed a call on each one of us. Um, he's created us for a specific purpose at the exact time in history today. Uh, and he's asked, and I, I think this morning, what he's been asking us throughout the whole story here uh, of Christ is for his followers to take what, the, what he's calling them to and be willing to step out uh, and in a, in a moment of faith step into that, into that calling as Mary did. And so to, to wrap it up, the Christmas message, I think, can be summarized in three words. Uh, it's, it, it's literally God coming to earth and telling each one of us, I love you. That, that is the Christmas message. That is, in a nutshell, the per- what he's saying. I love you. He's saying that to each human being, I love you. And to us, as followers of Christ... As believers, he's saying, that's the message that I want you to take to a world that's hurting, to a world that's broken, and let them know that the, the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the great I am, loves you intimately. It's the message that has changed millions of people's lives, is to hear those three words, I love you. It's uh, one, of, probably one of the... I mean, I obviously never met him, but one of the greatest influences in my life, as I read his story a long time ago, so I don't remember it perfectly, was Chuck Colson. And as he went through Watergate, and right before he was going into prison, I don't remember the guy's name that he met with, but he just told him, God loves you. And before Chuck Colson went to prison, he said that just wrecked him. And before he went to prison, he found Christ and left a lasting impact that was so different than the journey he had been on before. And those, so that's the Christmas message. It's, this, it's God sending his son, his son being willing to come and saying to each one of us, I love you. And he's asking us to step out and in faith. And it starts, our journey, our purpose starts with a moment of faith and stepping into that. And that's how we tell the world that God loves them. So thanks for your time. And you can stand and I guess... Children's Church isn't dismissed yet, but you can talk.
talk as adults. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the story that we've seen from Mary and her response in faith to what you've called her to. God, thank you for our Savior, Jesus. God, thank you for uh, that, he can, that we know that he, can, that he is our King of kings. God, that he was fully human and divine, that, he, that you love us intimately. And God, as we go out from here, uh, especially in this Christmas season, um, help us to remember, to know, to have a passion to, to share the, the gospel story, the Christmas story, in a winsome manner, in a way that reflects your love and pulls people in rather than pushes them away. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.